been a long one. <laughs> a long, good, windy week, right? Yeah? Did, did we just agree to that? Right? <laughs> a good, good wind, right? <laughs> Say what? Good wind, right? It's it's the last name of the the guy I met, right? Good, Mr. Goodwin. Goodbye. Uh, that was a bad joke. Um, well, I hope you had a great week. It's you know definitely fun seeing everything turn green and the return of the Miller moss and all the other bugs that come with them. You know, red ants. Yeah, yeah. I got flowers and warm days, right? And the wind on your back, always. You know, seasons are a wonderful thing. Uh, they actually reveal and show to us the faithfulness of God, of his character and his word. I love what the Lord says in Genesis 8 to Noah. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And the seasons show us that the Lord sustains all of creation. That includes everything. How cool is that? You know, until the end, there will be seed time and harvest. Those things will take place. Along with that, heat and cold, summer and winter, night and day. You know, if the Lord sustains all of creation, we can know this, that he will sustain us through all of our days as well. You know, through the ups and downs, they all come, right? You know, the seasons of life. But the Lord remains forever faithful. As we start our study in the book of Jonah chapter 2, we, we see that Jonah knows that he faces God's judgment and wrath. But as we just sang, he knows exactly who to turn to. You know, it was kind of uh, interesting on, on Friday, I, I rushed up to the school to sub and I read my devotional and it was on prayer. And then I'm, I'm reading a, a Joel Rosenberg book right now, and, and like every single chapter was about prayer as well. And I'm like, well, we're going to talk about prayer today too. So it kind of, you know, we, we need it, right? It's just like water, right? Life-sustaining water. It's just like that where we need to communicate with God and let our requests be known. Even though he knows us and sustains us, we need relationship, with him. Uh, let's uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we we thank you for today. We thank you that you are a mighty fortress that the God of Jacob is our hope, our fortress that you will be exalted among the earth among all nations and that we can know that you are God. That no matter what the ups and downs of life, no matter if we mess up and run the wrong way like Jonah did, that we can turn and know where hope is found. In you alone, Lord. Thank you so much for being 
faithful. And that you remain through all generations and you want us to know who you are and be in relationship with you. We thank you for today. Thank you for time to gather and to be together and to fellowship, to sing and to read your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to to Jonah chapter 2. I don't think this part is in the VeggieTales movie. I can't. I'm going to have to rewatch that. It is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they sing. Okay. Thank you, Toby. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I forgot they do sing in the belly of the will. Oh. Jonah chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. We'll start there. A text say, states this. <clears throat> and then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You know, the first chapter of Jonah had introduced us to the, the runaway prophet. He had come to fear God. Uh, he experienced that truth for sure. <laughs> That it is real. The, the wrath and judgment of God are real. As the storm raged, he knew that he must be thrown overboard. He had tried to flee from the very presence of God and found out that he could not. And now Jonah finds himself in the belly of a fish. A fish that the Lord had appointed to swallow him up. Well, now chapter 2 brings us to the prayer of Jonah. You know, he had not said a word to God, right? In the first chapter, he, he hadn't said anything. Hadn't had a conversation like Moses had or, or others in the Bible, but he had merely ran, right? And now he spoke to the Almighty. You know, he went from the fish, or went from the ship to the fish, and now he knew that he needed to turn back to the Lord, which he had stated in, in verse 12 of chapter 1. Or he at least knew that he needed to face consequences because he had sinned. Well, now the, the storm had stopped, right? And this fish swallowed him up, and now he called out. It says, he called out to the Lord. And he called out in his distress. A distress that he had brought upon himself, the, the very trouble that he was in. He had brought upon himself as he you know, ran away, as he boarded that ship, as he went down to sleep. And then you know, he was awoken to the consequences. You know, in this, in this time, in this period of, of Israel's history, they had done the same thing. You know, as you see in 2 Kings, when Jonah is introduced in Scripture, well, we see this, what Jeremiah says of the people. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, 
and hewing out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah states that in his book that the two evils are going on. The people have forgotten me, have counted me, uh, you know, no, doesn't work for me, and gone to find a better way to life. And doesn't that define all isms, all religions, cults, occults, self-helps, that we can make our own way? That we can figure out the mess because there is no rescue? I mean, that's the definition of humanism right there. You know, this thought didn't just start in Jonah's time or in Jeremiah's time, right? It started in the garden. Now go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to, to Genesis chapter 3. Now Genesis is the book of beginnings. It tells us where everything came from, including all the bad stuff we deal with. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it states this, Now a serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Right, the question, right? The question that we you know, might hear in different terminology, but the question is asked, did God actually say? The serpent questions the very word of God. You know, he pointed out, did God say? Are you sure? In verses 2 and 3, the woman states this. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the woman pointed to everything that God had given. For he is the giver of good gifts. And then he, she Clarified, well, with that tree, the one in the midst of the garden. Don't take of it or you will die, right? One commandment, right? Well, the serpent speaks again. Verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely, will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What did he do? Contradiction, right? As we learned in, that's no longer apologetics class right now. It's a philosophical class. But, but, you know, he contradicted. He lied. You won't die. And then he tells her this. God is keeping you, keeping you away from the best things. And then this happened in verses 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. 
And she also gave some to her husband who was with her as he ate. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And what had happened? And well, instead of looking at, as she did first, looking at the whole garden that God had given her, the woman now looked at one thing, right? One thing that God had said not to take of, she, she saw, she knew it was a delight, and then she desired it, and then she took. That's you know, the three things of temptation, right? Is that, oh yeah, you see it, it looks pretty fun, and then you desire it, and then you do it. That's the road you don't want to go down. She took and, and gave some to her husband, and their eyes were opened. Now, this is the event, right? This is the fall that brought humanity into its fallen estate. Paul says it like this in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. You know, Adam and Eve got the ball rolling down the hill, right? And we just kind of keep kicking it along. Because Adam is our head. And he believed in a lie rather than the truth. And we all do the same because we are in the line of Adam. As you know, Romans 5 goes on, Paul shows that. You know, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ, right? You know, you need to be in Christ to not be in Adam. Well, Jonah had gone his own way, and so have we. Jonah found that out in the storm. Just in different parts of our lives, we find out, you know, hey, there's you know, something wrong or something needed. Someone is needed to fix not just the problems around me, but the problems within me. And we can see that the Lord tells us this throughout Scripture, that Isaiah even says it of all of humanity, that we have all, like sheep, gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How amazing is that verse, right? If you just center in on the last part, is that we have hope in this life. That yeah, no matter what we've done or what has happened, no matter how far off the path we are, we can turn to the Lord because he has laid the iniquity of us all upon Jesus. If Jonah cried out, and this happened. He answered me. How cool is that? And Psalm 46 is really cool, but Psalm 8 is, is cool too. Well, all of Scripture is cool, huh? <laughs> but, but you know, how mindful are you of me? Right? Psalm 8 brings us that awesome truth as the psalmist writes, the Lord is mindful 
of man. He is the God of the whole universe. He is the creator. (coughs) And he is mindful of us. It's It's a very unique truth of the biblical text. That God is mindful of us. And even more telling is the Bible itself, right? Because it is the revealed word of God, breathed out to tell humanity of him, of how to get back home. I love how even Jonah, even in his distress, he saw this, I spoke and he answered. That is like that's like my favorite verse in Jonah so far. It's it's amazing. I spoke and he answered. We understand that God is a personal God. That we can speak to him. And knowing this that he that he listens and knowing this as well that he answers. Psalm 3 states it like this, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Psalm 120 states it like this, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. And we can cry out to the Lord and know that he will answer. And when we are distressed, we can cry out to him that no matter where we are, no matter what is going on, we can cry out to the Lord. Who, who likes reading the book of Lamentations? Cracking up the you know, Bible and saying, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, read the book of Lamentations. It's a hard book. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah states this, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea do not close your ear to my cry for help. Now, Jerusalem had been destroyed, utterly destroyed by the Babylonians. And Jeremiah knew that the Lord heard his plea. Right? You know, the, the psalmist, I, I didn't write that verb, but it came when I was thinking about things. When foundations are destroyed what will the righteous do well you go down to the next verse and it's like i will look upon you in your holy temple you know we talked about a little bit today in sunday school you know what what do we do in an age that just totally rejects truth or even a logical argument what do you do you know we first of need to be grounded in the revelation of god we need to look upon the Lord because, you know, he, he can stop that. He can, he is the truth that we need. The Psalm 118 states this, Out of my distress I called to the Lord, the Lord answered me and set me free. And when... We're in a bind when we have messed up. We can turn to the Lord for he is there. When we go the wrong way, we can turn to him. When the ups and downs of life come our way, we can 
cry out to him. And we can speak to the Almighty. We can know that he hears and we can know that he answers. Jonah continues his prayer in verses 3 through 5. Of chapter 2. And he says this. For you cast me into the deep. Into the heart of the sea. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your bellows. Billows? Yeah, billows? Passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. And yet I shall look upon your holy temple. And the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds are wrapped about my head. Now, the sovereignty of the Lord is a delightful thing when we are in the will of God. Romans 8 says it clearly. And we know that for those who love God, God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose but the sovereignty of God can also be a fearful thing we can look at what happens to people when they are about their own wills in Romans 1 it states this therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves now I look at the biblical text and there's Nothing more scary or fearful than God giving people over to the sin they want. But we all have a choice. We all have a will. Do we want him or do we want our own way? Our own way which only leads to death and destruction. Jonah had run. He had chosen the wrong way. And faced the wrath and judgment of God immediately. Which happens in the Old Testament, right? It came then and now. Right away. Wrath now is being stored up. But it, it will come. The effects, the consequences of our sin are definitely felt here and now. now if we lie, we definitely will not be trusted. If we murder, we will be imprisoned. If we spread gossip, we will destroy our own character and the character of others. When facing his consequences, Jonah chose. He told the sailors to throw him overboard. Because I had brought this upon you. Now he knew that. He knew that the Lord was not going to let him off the hook since he was on a boat. Right. Somebody wake up and laugh. Come on. <laughs> I worked all week on that one. No, not really. Sorry. <laughs> that was better. That was, <laughs> oh, man. No, he had called Jonah, right? He had called him with a purpose to go and speak to that great city. Well, now Jonah was in the heart of the deep sea. And then he says this, and the flood surrounded me. 
And one psalmist says it like this, you have put me into the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. For people apart from God, he, he wants them to understand that life and hope and salvation and purpose come from him alone. For Israel and for the church, he wants them us to know that sin will only derail our mission, deform our faith, and destroy our witness to the world. So he judges the world because they go off and try and find other ways to life, eternal life. And he disciplines, he judges us for our disobedience. Now we will also stand before, but it will be the, you know, the Bema seat, which we've talked about before. You know, it won't be a salvation issue, it will be a rewards issue, but of how we've lived for God. For Jonah knew. He, he knew who God was. He had told the sailors that the Lord is in heaven. He does as he pleases. He is the maker of dry land and the sea. One psalmist proclaims it just as well. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He is the Lord of all. I love how you know the sailors heard that little bit of information, and that's how they prayed at the end of the chapter, right? He has established the whole of the world. And now Jonah knew that he faced God's judgment and wrath. He he says it the flood surrounded me you know I, I thought right away I'm like there is no more clear indication that God's wrath and God's judgment are real than the flood that happened in Genesis Genesis tells us that the Lord saw every intention and every thought of mankind was wicked it actually states in the text that he regrets making man upon earth and was going to blot out everyone all of creation every thing the flood was the judgment of God upon humanity in that age but the Lord favored Noah right he had grace upon Noah he told him to build an ark and you hear that and you're like whoa it's gonna rain you know never it never had rained right you know it shows us that even in this age, a judgment day is, is real. A judgment day will come, but there is a way through it. That the Lord Jesus is that way. I love what uh, Paul says to the Thessalonican church. It says, wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's through the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus alone. You know, so so much of our age is, is the now and and oh, you know, that's that's just a, a fantasy or a fairy tale. You know, and Peter was dealing with the same thing. People were overlooking God's judgment in that day as well. Peter tells us this 
they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and that the world was the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. That by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. And Peter is, is telling that you know, judgment is on the way, but the world will be full of, of, of mockers. I mean, how, how much of, of even evolution says, oh, no, it's you know, working backwards. What we see, the processes we see today are very much of what has made this canyon or, or this thing over here. Yet creation science will tell you, it's like if you put flood modeling into things, Sorry, little science-y, you know, philosophy in the morning, science in the er earlier, later morning, <laughs> you know. But flood models make a lot of sense, too, of how things look today. And if you haven't seen his Genesis history, you should watch it. You know, Peter tells us that people will deliberately overlook it. God's judgment is coming. Peter goes on in his book right there and says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, so as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. You know, just like Jonah, God wants us to know him, you know, to, to keep his law, to understand that hope and redemption and purpose is found in him alone. And if we go another way, we will face judgment. This is why Paul celebrates it so much in the book of Romans that righteousness is found in Christ Jesus because it is righteousness found apart from the law. Because what do we do? We fail to keep God's commandments. We fail to even keep the basic ten. The law merely shows us our problem. The promised one, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, is the solution to our problem. And Jonah went on in his prayer, saying, I am driven away from your sight. Now, he had rebelled, and, and sin cannot dwell with the mighty and holy God. He, he was driven away, but yet he wasn't out of hope. He says this, and yet I shall look upon your holy temple. One psalmist says it like this, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard my voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried for help. 
See, Jonah knew that his, his pleas for mercy would be heard. Because even as Jonah thought he was going to die, even as weeds wrapped around his head, who likes seaweed? No? Yeah, eating it, right? Having it wrapped around your head as you're going. I mean, you, Israelites couldn't swim. You're freaking out. You're going to die, right? You know, there weren't very many Israelite swimmers, Olympian champions or anything. They kind of stayed on it. They liked the dry land that the Lord had made. Now, even as weeds wrapped around his head, he understood that the Lord was the one who rises dry bones. He is the one who you can cry out to even when everything else is falling apart as Jerusalem fell apart. He is the one that can save us even when we are up to our neck and problems, even when there is no foothold and when there is a flood that overcomes us and sweeps us away, he alone can save us and sustain us. And when we think we are dead and cut off, we can cry out to our God for salvation. Who likes change? In my pocket, right? <laughs> change for the better. There, yeah. Yeah, there's good change, but you know, like friends moving away. I never deal with it well. You know, I, me, yeah, right? You know, it's. You know, there's excitement in change, right? Depends on who, who you are, right? Depend, you know, if you're the mover or the stayer, I guess. I don't know. You know if you enjoy change, you, you look forward to it. If you don't enjoy change, you, you dread it. You're like, yeah, it's coming. It's coming, right? You know, it can be hard. Change can be hard. You know, but seasons like winter, summer, spring, and fall, you know, they, they come and go. Years pass by. People... You know, graduate, people move on. Through it all, we can know that one remains. And that is the Lord of all. Jonah had heard from God. He had, he had run the wrong way and faced God's judgment, but now turned back to the Almighty. You know, through all of our different seasons, through all of our up and downs, that we can know that we can turn to the Lord and know that he is faithful, that we can speak and know that he listens and that he answers. You know, as I was thinking upon seasons, you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 11 came, came to mind. You know, for every thing there is a season. And a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. And a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to break down. A time to build up. A time to weep. A time to laugh. A time to mourn. A time to dance. A time to cast away. Not in a Baptist church, right? Sorry. <laughs> Footloose, you're right. Kevin Bacon, wait, it says that. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. 
a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to loose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak. Uh, I need to learn that one. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Solomon goes on after that and says, What gain has the worker for all of his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the hearts of man yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And we live and we dream and we have hopes and we work and we wonder what is missing, right? All, all the time, I feel. And it's that relation. It's, you know, like, like Jonah, is it, is it broken? Are we going a different way? Are we walking with him? Are we going to, you know, that great city, that small town to speak? That we would know God and enjoy him forever. That we have that hope and stay as his, as his people. That we will be with him forever. You know, in a world full of darkness where we're here through any season that people would know that the light has come to set them free that that they too can speak in their distress and know that he will answer well, let's uh, close in a word of prayer my father god we we thank you that you are are faithful. We're thankful that you are, are patient and wanting the world not just to have its own way and be full of, of every form of vice, but that you're patient that people would come to repentance, that, that people would know that the true one has come, that Jesus has come that are, this is our opportunity to go and, and speak and cry out and let the city know, let the town know, let the, the nations and the world know that it has gone the wrong way. That we can point and proclaim you in this age through the ups and downs of seasons, whether we like change or not, that we can know that one day the king will come and he will rule and reign and that we can point to our hope and stay in Jesus let people know that he is a God you are a God that listens and that answers in the name of Jesus we pray Amen